0: I want to begin this evening by asking your prayers this week on behalf of our two ordinandi, Deacon Mark Ani and Deacon Christian Smith. They're going to be ordained to the priesthood for our diocese this upcoming Thursday, the Feast of St. Barnabas. I have good news. They're good men. They're good guys. They're both from Bismarck. And so uh, we can be thankful to, to the bishop, be thankful to God for that but they are taking on a great new responsibility and a great step, and so they need prayer, just like we all do. I ask you in this context, I ask you to pray for me as well. You may not realize this, because I'm so mature. (laughs) But I'm actually the youngest priest in the diocese by age still even though i'm coming up on my third year of priesthood i'm the youngest priest in the diocese until this thursday that made for a great excuse (laughs) whenever i screw up i don't know better i'm new i'm still new i'm still young and that goes out the window on thursday and so, so i need your prayers as well in the gospel story from the very beginning there was a central issue that you've I'm sure you've heard we talk about a lot. There's this central issue about this Jesus guy. The question, who is he? Who is he? This little list I'm about to reel off for you took about like 30 seconds to compile. It's literally on every single page of the gospel. Who is this man, it gets asked. Who is this man who speaks with authority? Not as the others speak. Who is this man that breaks the Sabbath and claims man, Sabbath is not, or the Sabbath is for man, not man for the Sabbath? Who is this who can say, "Go, your sins are forgiven"? Who does he think he is? Who is this that even the winds and waves obey? Who is this that even commands demons and spirits? Isn't this the son of Mary and Joseph, the carpenter whom we know? and aren't his family around whom we also know. We talk about this part a little bit less often, but this actually happens when the Holy Spirit is active and his gifts are active as well. One of the best moments for me in Paul's ministry in the Acts of the Apostles is when he goes to Ephesus and asks the disciples there with which baptism they were baptized. Were you baptized with the baptism of John the Baptist? Or were you baptized in the Spirit? Paul asks. And the response? We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. (laughs) Completely confounded. No idea. We're talking about something essential. Talking about the third person of the Trinity. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. How about on Pentecost? After the apostles begin preaching and all hear in their own language, the reaction is basically, What's with these guys? It literally says in the story, have they been drinking new wine? Have they, have they, are they drunk? Are they drinking too much? What's going on? Who is this? What's happening here? Everyone, the church, the church's belief in the Trinity that we confess today, that it's true. That belief in the Trinity, it didn't come from a bunch of guys in a smoke-filled room, thinking a lot, and discussing, and philosophizing together. There wasn't this, this little group of smart guys talking and saying, well, okay, God is one. That's good. People will buy that. I think we can sell that. God is one. But we don't want to make it too easy. And so how about one nature, huh? Three persons, just to th- mix it up. No, that's not how it came about. And it's not like some Albert Einstein, some Albert Einstein of philosophy and theology came about and figured out the equation of God and had some insight into God based on his own brain power and so found, ah, God is Trinity. No, this belief that the church, this central belief that we confess today, it has a history. And it came from a concrete experience of God's action in the world. A concrete experience of God. And that we call his revelation. It came from encountering the second person of the Trinity, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. It was clear, this is God. I know there's one God, but he, this guy too. But how do I work that out? It came from encountering the real power that the Holy Spirit gave when he was poured out upon the apostles in the church. I know there's one God, but this thing happening here, I don't understand it, but I know it's God. How do we work that out? And it did. It took centuries of theological reflection on the scriptures to work out a correct language around this mystery so that we could speak about this mystery of God as Trinity without understanding falsely and without speaking falsely. But there was a certain, concrete, Jumping off point. This guy in front of us, speaking and healing and teaching, this guy is God. He speaks about his Father God. He speaks about this divine spirit whom we've also encountered, whose gifts we have received. All three are God, but the Father is not the Son, nor is the Son the Holy Spirit, nor is the Holy Spirit the Father. One God, three persons, concretely encountered in history. Now, now we can insert here the church's beautiful clarity and reflection and intellectual tradition on this mystery, uh, as came later. And you can get all kinds of kind of cool, nerdy specifics that show up that show why this isn't a contradiction, why this isn't crazy talk. You get into stuff like nature, versus persons, you get into substantial relations, processions, spirations, filiations, begottenness, real relations, proper names, appropriated names, and on and on and on. I would love to go into all of that with great detail and enthusiasm, but we're just starting to get people back, and so (laughs) I won't bore you. It's fun, it's fun. But belief in the Trinity came from a concrete experience of God's action in the world, not philosophizing. And this we call his revelation. What I think this shows, and where this gets really relevant for us, and what I would like to leave you with, is that this belief, this teaching, this truth is not sterile, it's not heady nonsense, it's not just an abstraction. Because God is Trinity, because God is love, the same mystery we're talking about, God is Trinity, God is love, same mystery. Because of that fact, therefore, he has love for the world. Because he's Trinity, therefore, he loves the world. Therefore, he goes to great lengths to save the world and give it salvation. We often think about the events of our salvation and redemption that we've all just gone through together the Passion, the Crucifixion, the Resurrection, the Ascension, and Pentecost, the whole cycle. And we think primarily about God's love for the world. And that's true. And that's good. But we might forget, we might forget that God is, in the midst of all this saving, in the midst of all this activity, God is sharing his innermost thought, his innermost love, his innermost life with us. If you think of a great friend or of a significant other, part of the development of that relationship, I bet, and I hope, was at some point there was a sharing of something personal, something private, something intimate. In the midst of saving us, God shared with us the most, personal, the most personal thing about him. He shared with us a secret, his best secret, that no people or religion or nation had ever suspected before. It's an act of love that he showed himself as Trinity. The oneness of God was suspected, and in some places it was known. But his threeness, his fatherhood, his son his spirit, he had to share that. His innermost thought, his innermost love. And, as I mentioned, this secret, this intimate information, for lack of a better word, about God is supremely relevant to our salvation. God has love for the world, and he showed forth his love for the world in his Son because of this innermost secret. That he himself is love. That he himself is trinity. And love, right? Not L-U-V love. Sentimental love. Not L-U-V love, but love. Charity. He himself, in his essence, from all eternity, even before he decides to create the world, is a communion. A person's, a communion of self-giving love. Which is to say that God is Trinity, same thing. Therefore, God says, because I'm Trinity, because I'm self-giving love, therefore, I have love for the world to share. Therefore, I create. Therefore, I have a reason driving me, impelling me to save the world, to save human persons, even though they don't deserve it. God says, I do that because I am love. God says, I do that because I am Trinity.